If nothing else, it keeps before us an awareness for the need of a move of God in our hearts. And I thank you, Brother Sorrells, for another invitation to be here. I think this is my third visit here, and I've always enjoyed it. I appreciate the comfortable accommodations back downtown. Um, the uh, food basket was very good. I'm still working on that one. And I hope I haven't got to give back what's left over. Um, hope to take it with me. I love chocolate, don't you? I didn't get enough of potato and stuff last night. I went and got me some chocolate. And then I stayed awake half the night. Some of us will never learn. I want to give honor to my district superintendent, Brother Travis. I didn't see him last night when he came in. I was honoring Brother Lumpkin, and Brother Lumpkin was worthy. But I want you to know that Mississippi is blessed with the outstanding district superintendent in the fellowship. He's not only as my leader, but he's also my very dear and personal friend. And I appreciate Brother and Sister Travis for the wonderful job they've done for years in Mississippi and for the wonderful friendship they've afforded the Odom family. Thank you, Brother and Sister Travis. It's good to see you. My wife was asking about you last night. I called them about midnight, and they were asking him if Sister Travis was there, and I said, yes, she's here. I want to say God bless the ministering brethren. It's good to see so many of you. God bless you for last night. Brother Gary Howard, good to see you. Brother Ron Garrett, good to see you. And others, God bless you all in Jesus' name. I enjoyed Brother Parker, didn't you? He has nothing to tuck his head over. Uh, he's got some talent in him that um, he's pretty shrewd when he preaches. He talks like he's not too intelligent. That boy's got some stuff between his ears. He's got a good command of the vocabulary. He really does. And he's got a good anointing. I appreciate what he preached. And I'll receive it as a word from the Lord for me. As for me, I've got giants. How about you? Hmm? There's a scriptural debate just how tall Goliath really was. Most of us have taught over the years he was just over nine feet tall. But more study will reveal the man could have stood as high as 12 to 13 feet tall. One man said, if your jots are only nine feet tall, God bless you. Mine's in the 13 foot range. But I got to deal with him, Brother Parker. And by the grace of God, I will deal with him. Brother Tom Johnson, thank you for last night. If you preach to nobody else, you preach to this one. And if, if you don't mind, I'm going to go home and work on that sifting and that fanning thing. And I may, I started to say improve on that, but that's not the right thing to say. I may. Brother Johnson, that was excellent preaching. You touched me, you touched me in my heart. And the Lord's fanned me, but the devil sifted me. And I like the translations that Brother Garrett read last night. It was so enlightening to me. Thank you, Brother Johnson. That was wonderful preaching. This may not be much preaching today, but it's going to be me. So my God, have mercy on us. My Bible is open to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Mark, chapter 4. This is one of the great preaching chapters of Jesus. And for the sake of redeeming some time, I will not harmonize the Gospels and make references to Matthew and Luke of the same events. 
But this was a tough day of preaching. Tough day of preaching. There are three parables in the fourth chapter of Mark of note. One is without doubt one of the three most popular parables of Jesus, at least in my estimation. I think the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the good Samaritan are neck and neck as being two of the most popular. But the next is the one that takes up a lot of the scriptural space in the fourth chapter, and that is the parable of the sower and the seed. It was a complicated parable, and even the think tanks that traveled with Jesus every day, his disciples inquired for a clearer understanding of what he meant in this parable. After he had concluded that parable, he gives another parable about um, the sowing of seed and the growing of the corn, the blade, and the full ear, and then the thrusting of the sickle of the harvest. And then the third parable is the parable of the mustard seed. Now, how long these sermons lasted, I don't know. But Jesus was not necessarily a short-winded preacher. Uh, the writers have condensed his comments into book form that we can reap the benefits of his sermon. John inclines us to understand that if all the things that Jesus had done would be written, the world itself would not be library large enough to contain the volumes. So we have a condensed um, presentation of his sermons. And how long he preached today, I don't know, but I do know this, it was a wearying day because he went to sleep in a ship when the day of preaching was over. And this is where I pick up the text in verse 35. And the same day when the even or the evening time was come, he saith unto them, and the them would be the handpicked twelve, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they, not he, but when they had sent away the multitude, that's a tragedy. Preach to them all day, then send them back home. I'll talk about that maybe in a few minutes. Um, I'm of the opinion that regardless if it is a dead Wednesday night Bible study, we need to give people a chance to respond to what we've, what we've taught. And by the way, it's evening time for us too. My God, they sent them away at evening time. Where would they go, folks, if we send them away from our churches, from what we offer? Well, let me read, and I'll preach in a few minutes. When they had sent away, the, and it wasn't just two or three folks, by the way. It wasn't just a small Sunday school class. It was a multitude. When they sent the multitude away, they took him, even as he was, in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships, which is indicative that there were some folks that chose not to leave. Uh, he was in the ship with them, but there, there was other little ships that was in the traveling armada that was crossing Galilee. Verse 37, and there arose a great storm of wind. Would you say wind? I know I've preached it before that the thunder rolled and the lightning flashed and the rain fell in torrents but Bible doesn't say that there was just wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full 
And he was in the hinder part of the ship because he had preached practically all day and his voice was broken, his throat could have been sore, his body was exhausted, and even in the midst of the storm, he was so exhausted, he was asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? Now the last thing he said to them was, Let us go to the other side. The next thing he says to them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it? that ye have no faith. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? I will probably soon quit getting invited to preach out in some situations because if I'm given the opportunity to preach only one sermon at a, at a meeting, I usually preach on this line. If I preach twice, I intend to preach something on this line at least one of the two times. Because the greatest thing that I can preach is about a man called Jesus. Folks, I can't help it what other denominations are doing. I can pray for them, love them, care for them. But me getting in the pulpit and wearing them out when they're defenseless and not even in attendance, there's little I can do to help. I wish I could change some situations in the United Pentecostal Church, not the government structure. I'm, I'm pleased with it. I'm pleased with the judicial system. But there are some situations in our fellowship and our movement that concerns me in a spiritual dimension. And I think that meetings like this, camp meetings and conferences of Brother Travis, especially at a national level, can be designed that maybe Men that are elders among us can fine-tune us to keep us going the right direction. I have resolved that if I preach Jesus at Pentecostal Tabernacle Church, I'm going to get more positive results from lukewarm people, backslidden people, and people that just don't want to live for God. It's impossible to preach Him and to lift Him and to magnify Him and there not be good lasting results. Now don't misunderstand me folks before you judge me before I begin. I'm not just a fine scaffold type preacher. I'm also a meat cleaver. I mean I can take the action sling, get out of my way when I do. But if I really want to see people drawn close to God, we need to preach Jesus. And we preach him in different ways. I know that. And I hope I can lift him today and be a blessing to you. My selected title comes from the 36th verse. When they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was. And I'm going to preach by the help of the Lord. Jesus, take him like he is or leave him. And they took him even as he was. Brother Garrett, too many of us are trying to make him something he doesn't intend to be. 
I'm going to take him just as he is. Asking my district superintendent to pray for the preacher from Mississippi that he can preach. Before you're seated, would you allow me just to really be human here this morning? Um, I'm so sick and tired of showmanship. <laughs> None of us do that, but we can find it here or there, both in the pulpit and in the pew and in the choir loft, in the Sunday school class. We can find it anywhere. This past January, and Brother Sister Travis was so dear to us, my only surviving child, Lorinda, fell into a practically irrecoverable coma. And I was in the pulpit when the word came to Pentecostal Tabernacle. One of my churchmen drove my wife and I there not knowing what we were to find. Today represents four years ago, Brother Travis, that you preached Amanda's funeral. That's my second child. It was January that I thought we lost Lorinda. And you know, um, when you face these times, I can get up and just really get on faith and praise God and shout. And, but folks, some things are really real. And some things really hurt. Brother Travis was aware that when we had that situation in January that I just emptied out my schedule completely. I, I just canceled everything from the East Coast to the West Coast. And I thought maybe this was my signal that my day of traveling and preaching in a few meetings should be over. I need to stay closer home. And um, last night when I got to my room, talked to my family, talked to my daughter, and we got a good report to give after a visit to the doctor this week. A lot of things are working out much better for us. But by the same token, there are still some kidney complications due to juvenile diabetes, which she suffered from since she was five. And it's almost, Brother Howard, like we get into a situation that um, the enemy wants to uh, start uh, playing these games with us that uh, he's going to beat us, whip us, defeat us. But I've come today by your permission only by your permission and this is a bad time to ask your permission isn't it because I'm probably going to do it without your permission I'm going to preach today first of all in dedication to a man called Jesus but because today commemorates her fourth anniversary of her funeral I'm going to preach in memory of my daughter Amanda and I'm also going to preach by faith that God would heal my daughter I really do want it bad. Brother Travis, I really want it bad. And I have no choice but to preach about a man called Jesus. Praise the Lord, somebody.
to be like Jesus, to be. Let me hear some tenors and altos. I want you to take him like he is. Just don't rush me. Let's lift a hand and sing some more. To be We got a little more time to entertain the presence of the Lord, don't we? Let's just do it one more time. To be. Let's quit trying to make him something that he's not. Let's take him just like he is. Lowly, meek, the good Samaritan, the good shepherd. To be like you reach over and pray for the person standing next to you husband to wife wife to husband friend to friend if it's not convenient go to someone You may be seated. Preaching is a demanding job. I think some people do have the mindset that preaching is just formulating a few written notes, 
getting references from commentaries, encyclopedias, definitions from dictionaries, assimilating a homiletic presentation, and just getting up and going through the motions. I never, rem never forget the first subject that I taught at Jackson College of Ministries a number of years ago was homiletics, which is, of course, is the development and the presentation of a gospel sermon. And uh, the thing that I, the instructor, impress upon those peach-fuzzed, bright-eyed, shining young faces was this, preaching is work. I contend that most Bible sermons are won or lost before the man ever steps in the pulpit. If he doesn't have a life to back it up. Did you hear me? If he doesn't have the spirit of inspiration to drive him. If I can borrow and yet take a quote out of context that the great writer wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Our preaching really does become as the sounding of brass and the tinkling of cymbals. I love information. I love to hear a man preach that makes me think. I love to feel good. I, I, like, to, I like to get up and go, go, go. But I like for that man to phrase himself, to express himself, that he'll make me think, to make me want to get the file out and do better on my presentation. And uh, whether we want to admit it or not, folks, we're going to be dealing with a highly intellectual generation between here and the rapture. And I'm not taking away from, nor am I adding to. But I think some of us that feel the pulpit need to understand and understand it clearly that we should not be surprised if we start having multitudes of people across our fellowship to come to our churches that have their doctorates, their masters, their bachelors, and their highly educated people. Now, nothing would take the place of the simplicity of the preaching of the gospel. Did you hear me say it? It's on tape. Check me when you buy the tape. Nothing would take the place of the simplicity of the word of God. But I have long argued, and I'm in a minority, that we need men like Apollos in our pulpit that is mighty in word, wisdom, and eloquent. But when it comes time to share and to deal the word, we don't need to emphasize the eloquence and the oratory. But I'm telling you, we are isolating a group of highly educated people that will come to our churches if we do not preach the gospel with simplicity, but yet with a presentation that can reach the sharpest minds in our communities. Brother and Sister Travis know very well a lady that attended our church about a month ago. She's the professor of nursing at the University of Southern Mississippi. Her name is Peggy Broomhall. Peggy has a Pentecostal past. Uh, few people know, know that she has a Pentecostal past. And on this particular Sunday morning, it was the week before Easter passed, that I didn't have a beautiful outline presentation. I brought a simple message about a man called Jesus and what Jesus can do for the backslider and the unsaved.
And this lady who's the professor of nursing at the University of Southern Mississippi, I didn't have to ask twice. Down the aisle she came, fell on an old fashioned altar. Her head popped like a whiplash as the power of God fell on her. And it was not the complication of the gospel that did that, but it was the simplicity of the gospel that did it. One of our pastors in Mississippi, Brother Raymond Moore, who pastors in Crystal Springs, became acquainted with a longtime popular name in Mississippi in the Southern Baptist Convention by the name of Fred Hutto. Fred Hutto and I were high school mates together in Pascagoula. We played ball together. Now, I'm not trying to remind me or you that I used to play this stuff, but I did. Little did I know that Fred went his way, I went my way. He was graduated from the higher institutions of learning and the Southern Baptist movement and became a household name through much of the Deep South as an evangelist, an outstanding pastor, a man that could take a struggling church and put it together and build it for their movement. This man came in contact with Brother Raymond Moore, who was a very intelligent, lovable man that pastors in our district. But you would have thought that it would have taken a mind of equality to have reached one like Fred Hutto. But it took that small, diminutive Brother Raymond Moore, just the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus, to reach the highly educated one. To make a long story short, Fred and Mrs. Hutto have both been baptized in Jesus' name. They both have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the process of denouncing their long-time religious past, and now they're making a strong move for the kingdom of God. Nothing would change the simplicity of the gospel, but I'm accentuating we better get ready to present Jesus the best that we can present him. I'm all for shouting, and you know that. I'm all for clapping the hands and dancing and leaping and running and I'm all for that. I believe in that. But there's going to be some people that's going to come to our churches. They're going to need to hear something that will reach their intellect. And then their spirit. And then they'll turn to God. I recognize I'm treading on dangerous deep waters right now, but I'm very comfortable that some of us Pentecostal preachers need to work on our sermons a little bit more. We need to work on our presentation a little bit more. We need to work on the way that we love the lost a little bit more. Ladies and gentlemen, when I present to you Jesus, I'm not presenting someone that fell off the turnip wagon. I'm not presenting to someone to you that's got a third grade education in Jesus Christ. When I present to you Jesus, I'm presenting to you the intellect of the intellect. After all, folks, he is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. Uh, let me preach about him a moment. He's the rose and he's the lily. He's the drink and he's the bread. He's the shepherd and he's the lamb. He's the bright and morning star and the son of righteousness. He's the alpha, he's the omega. He deserves the best that I can do for him. Away with second rate preaching, second rate presentation. It's time to let the world know that we got it. 
Jesus was the master teacher. How do I know that? Because even his critics made this statement, never spake man like this man spake. By just speaking the word, the servant could be healed. By his mere wish, the eyes of water looking into the face of its master would turn to a crimson red. By his mere whisper, the lame would leap, the blind would see, the deaf would hear, the lepers would be cleansed. By his mere call, the dead would be released from the tombs. I'm telling you today, folks, Jesus was a master. He could speak to the wind, and the wind would obey him. He would speak to the waves, and the waves would obey him. He could speak to the dead and the dead would obey him. He would speak to the diseased and the diseased would obey him. He would speak to the handicapped and the paralysis would obey him. He would speak to the devil and the devil would stand up and salute and obey him. He was a master of words. I ain't going to let you sit there. Let's stand up and clap our hands to Jesus. He's worthy. He's worthy. Uh-huh. Never spake a man like he spoke. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you on this, the 15th day of May, that if ever we needed to hear a word from God, we need to hear a word from God now. I'm not going to knock preaching, but I'm tired of canned sermons. I'm tired of put on presentation. I want somebody to get up and tell me what God says and what God wants me to do. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost with me today. <laughs> if you don't feel it, there's a two or three chairs up here. Come join me. I say what we need to hear is a word from God. Is there yet a man that can go to the inner bottom of an old storm-tossed ship while the Mediterranean Eurachlodon rocks the boat? Is there not a Paul somewhere that can come out on the upper deck and say, the angel of God whose I am has stood by me this night. Come on, preacher. This is no time to quit. Come on, preacher's wife. This is no time for dismay and discouragement. Come on, church official. This is no time to change pastors. Come on, saints of God. This is no time to backslide. I know the storm is raging. I know the devil is real. But the angel of God, whose I am, has sent me to the pulpit on this noonday to tell you, stay with it. Hang in there. Don't give up. Tie another knot. We're going to get through this thing. Well, I'm getting a few nods and a couple of groans, but I know what's going to happen in a few minutes. I'm going to preach about a man called Jesus. Hallelujah. Be seated, please. It was a tough day. I have no idea how long he preached, but I would suggest to you that he preached for literally hours. There was a certain sower that went out to sow the seed the man preached, and some of the seed fell by the wayside, and some of the seed fell on stony ground, and some of the seed fell among thorns, and some of the seed fell on good ground. I would to God that everybody that would walk 
in the doors of Pentecostal Tabernacle Church of Hattiesburg would be good ground folk. But unfortunately, and I'm embarrassed to confess to you, I preached sermon after sermon, drops of sweat after drops of sweat, sore throat after sore throat, weary body. Many times I've drugged my sweat body out of a pulpit, losing five, six, seven pounds per sermon, and nobody prays, and nobody comes to the altar. It's just going to be that way. And then Jesus said that some of the seed will fall on stony ground. Man, I've seen them come to the altar after a little pulpit testimony, shout, dance, talk in tongues, and never come back. I've seen them come to church and find God, but the cares of life would choke them to death. Brother Darrell Harris, I still contend that the cares of life is still choking some of our pulpits and still choking some of our pews. I'm tired of gasping for breath. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Take what the world has to offer, but I'll take a move of God. Take everything the devil offers, but give me a preacher. Give me a church. Give me a song. Give me a prayer. Give me a place that I can get through to God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Some seed fell on good ground and it brings forth multiplied fold. Hang in there, preacher. If you keep preaching revival, your church will have a revival. If you keep preaching a harvest, your church will have a harvest. If you keep preaching faith, your church will have faith. If you keep preaching the miracles, I will present to you my opinion that the blind eyes will soon be open. The deaf ears will be unstopped. If you preach authority over the devil, keep preaching it, man, and your church will have that authority. Just hang in there. Keep driving. Keep pushing. Don't back up. Don't back up. Just preach it. I know it's hard. I know it's demanding. I know you fight the spirits. I know the devil comes against you, but just keep on. Just keep on. One reason why we have so many of our men that are getting out of the pulpit and if you don't mind me saying it denominationally, they're swapping our clerical robes for salesmanship because of a spirit of weariness. They're just tired of the same routine. Nobody coming to God. If you haven't been there yet, just keep preaching long enough and you'll get there. There are times that I almost dread that it's another weekend because my soul is so hungry and my soul is so empty. You mean to tell me you dread church? Folks, I'm here to tell you there are times that I don't know what God wants me to do. I can't hear from God. I've looked at thousands of prepared sermons that I have in my file, but none of them inspire me. I get on my knees to pray, but it's like heaven is a steel curtain. But when I come to the house of God and I hear the saints of God singing and magnifying the Lord, there's an old fire that begins to burn in me. And how many times do I go to the pulpit without note one but I go with the man called Jesus ladies and gentlemen if you preach him if you preach him if you preach him if you preach him there'll be the positive results it was a long hard day for Jesus 
And uh, folks, I'm gonna just come clean with you. There are times when I get through preaching that it looks like it looks like I've been hit by a Mack truck. I mean, my body is exhausted. My eyes are sunk back in my head. My hair's messed up because of the sweat that's got my hairspray liquid. <laughs> My voice is gone, my throat is bad, my suit is wrinkled, my shirt is soaking wet, my tie knot is, you know, everything is just wrung out and wore out. I don't think that Jesus was the kind of public lecturer that he would get to the pulpit and he would just say, now let's consider this. And he would present multiple options of a sermon. You know, some of these artists present Jesus in the, in the garden of Gethsemane, praying with his little pinkies folded like this and his garment laying long and flowing behind him. I don't see Jesus praying with such a dignity when the Bible emphatically says that he prayed until the his body felt the effect and the, re and the reverberations of the hard preaching and when the evening was come total exhaustion weariness had overtaken him and the Bible said the disciples sent the multitude away but they took Jesus just as he was I better hurry and preach about my sermon hadn't I I think I'll just take him just like he is I refuse to make him the second person of a Catholic Trinity. I think I'll take him as the Godhead, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I refuse to take him as co-equal and co-eternal. I would choose to take him just like he is, for in him is all power in heaven and in earth. I refuse to take him just as a man. Man, yes, he was, but Brother Howard, I'm going to take him as the God-man, for in him Christ was reconciling the world unto himself. We in Pentecost, I think we're trying to streamline and jet set Jesus and modify him to fit our denominational needs. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is not just our big brother. He's not just our good friend. You better hear me today, friend. Jesus is it. Jesus is it. We come to church and go through our calisthenics of worship. We go through our verbal prayers like we're doing him a favor to come to church. Like he's honored to have us as a member of the local assembly. Friend, to just to take all of the veneer off and to confess it just the way I feel. He can get, he can get by just fine without me. But my God, Brother Travis, I don't know what I'd have done without him four years ago today. I don't know what I'd have done without him back in January when the doctor shook his head that way. But when God began to bring the preachers by that hospital room and they begin to call upon a name. Now that name may not excite you, but I've seen that name open the eyes of my baby. I've seen that name take the unconsciousness away from her. You've got your stories to tell. Why don't you whisper that name right now when it looks like there's no hope just the mere whisper of that name makes the difference and the disciples sent the multitude away 
And they took Jesus just as he was. They took him just as he was. Uh-huh. Worn and weary, exhausted, the breaking vocal cords, the raspy throat, sore of foot, and weary of mine, a tough day of preaching. I can't get away from something that's not even on my prepared comments. Is it not so that there's a preacher that sits in this room today that you preached and you preached and you preached and now at the close of day you feel like that it's all for no avail and you feel like it's for naught. A little bit simple here, but preacher, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. Preacher, 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 we need your help. This is no time to turn the card in. This is no time to go into another profession. Preach, preacher, preach, preacher, preach, preacher, preach, preacher. You talked about it, Brother Parker. There's nothing to take the place of preaching. Preach, preacher. I know it's demanding, but preach on. Preach, preacher. I know it's demanding, but persevere. Preach, preacher. It doesn't matter what's happening in your city or in your community. I can't help it what the other denominations are doing. I can't help it how many charismatic buildings are being built in Hattiesburg. If I'll just keep preaching Jesus. If you'll just keep preaching Jesus. I'll take him as my helper. I'll take him as my friend. I'll take him as my provider. I'll take him as my healer. I'll take him as my redemption. I'll take him as my salvation. I'll take him as my sanctification. I'll take him as my justification. I'll take him as my divine gift. I'll take him as my providence. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus ain't never done me no bad. Every time I took him the way he wanted me to take him, he always supplied the need. Are you listening to me? We are again trying to modify him, reconstruct him, and make something that he does not want to be. I'll take him just like he is. By the way, Jesus Christ is not Jehovah Junior. He is Jehovah Jireh. I say, by the way, he's not Jehovah Junior. He is Jehovah Rophi. I say, by the way, he's not Jehovah Junior. He is Jehovah Nisai. I said for the fourth time, by the way, Jesus is not Jehovah Junior, but he's Jehovah Shalom. I said for the fifth time that, by the way, Jesus is not Jehovah Junior, but he's Jehovah Rufi. By the way, he said for the sixth time that he's not Jehovah Junior, but he's Jehovah Sitkinu. I said for the seventh time, by the way, he's not Jehovah Junior, but he's Jehovah Shema, for he's my source. He's my healing. He's my victory. He's my peace. He's my protector. He's my life. He's my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't improve on Jesus. He knew no sin 
I said, you can't improve on Jesus. He knew no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. He's perfect. He's perfect. I'll take him just like he is. While you and I will debate on the Pentecostal pews, if we really ought to get radically involved with this man called Jesus, I said, did you hear me? We'll debate just how much we ought to get physically involved by the Schweitzer in worshiping God. Whatever happened to us? When did we learn to be intimidated by what people thought about us when we worship God? When would you learn to be intimidated what people said about us when we sat at the aisles and that's the aisles? While we debated in Pentecost, I want to tell you what the psalmist said in 148. The kings of the earth will praise him. All the people will praise him. The princes will praise him. The judges of the earth will praise him. The young men will praise him. The old men will praise him. The maidens will praise him. The children will praise him. While we, the inhabitants of the earth, we are going to argue whether or not that we should praise him. Even as I speak to you on this noonday, the psalmist continues in Psalms 148, and he says, while you folks acclaim it, won't really worship him and take him for what he is. The sun is going to praise him. The moon will praise him. The stars will praise him. The heavens will praise him. The waters will praise him. The earth will praise him. The dragons will praise him. The depths will praise him. Fire will praise him. Hell will praise him. Snow will praise him. Vapors will praise him. Stormy wind will praise him. Mountains will praise him. Hills will praise him. Fruitful trees would praise him. Cedars would praise him. Beasts would praise him. Cattle would praise him. Creeping things would praise him. Flying fowl would praise him. Pardon my manners. But I think I'm going to praise Jesus a while. Yeah. I think I used a kind of a cop-out excuse why some of my invitations may become fewer and fewer and far between because I preach this sermon too much. Really and truly, if you want me to tell you the truth, that probably will not be the outstanding evidence against me when the invitations stop coming my way. If there would be evidence against me, it's simply this. If we don't get up and get in it and have a move of God, somebody's going to have it. But I have no intention, Brother Howard, of letting somebody rob my blessing, have my revival, have my my harvest it's mine <laughs> somebody gets into these technical uh, technical areas how do I worship him how do I praise him one wrote and said I'll praise him standing he wrote on and he said I'll praise him kneeling he wrote on and he said I'll praise him bowing he wrote on and on. He said, I'll praise him laying down. He said, I'll praise him in song. And he said, I'll praise him in sacrificing. I'll praise him in giving. You don't hear me. I'll praise him in leaping. I'll praise him in dancing. I'll praise him with clapping. I'll praise him with weeping. I'll praise him with rejoicing. 
page number seven of Odom's notes, the point one through twelve says, he don't care how you do it. He don't care where you are. He don't care what it looks like. And he don't care what somebody says about you. He wants to make it comfortable for you. Stand up if you want to. Lay down if you want to. Dance if you want to. Clap if you want to. Sing if you want to. Give if you want to. Sacrifice if you want to. He's made it available. It's a multiple choice. It's yours. How do you want it? It's yours. It's yours. I've come to serve you. Notice that it doesn't matter matter what I gotta do it doesn't matter what somebody thinks I've gotta have him I can't live without him <laughs> if we were Jewish and we're not if we were in the Old Testament in the worship service that the psalm writer developed um, we'll do a few things different than what we do now. There's something that's kind of just nagging at me to say, and I'm doing my best not to say it, but I've learned to go ahead and say it and let the chips fall. You know, we, we, we take, and I do, and maybe you do, take the pulpit, and we just really get after these loose-living, compromising, non-doctrinal of truth, charismatic churches. And we say they don't believe fat meets greasy, and that's true, they don't. But I know this much about them. When they go to their monstrous buildings, and they're packing them in by the thousands, they could care less what anybody says. They got their swing, and they got their sway. They got the way they lift their hands, and all they're doing is trying to praise a name that is above every name. I'm not calling you pharisaical. I'm not calling you sadduceical. I'm not contending that you're self-righteous. But we come to church with the one God truth. We come to church with a plan of salvation. We come to church with a revelation of separation from the world and holiness. And we fold our arms and we cross our legs and we yawn in the face of a preacher. And if it's not the kind of song that we like, we'll sit down and quench the spirit. I'm telling you, honey, he's going to have a people that appraise him. There was a time that a multitude was praising him and shouting radical things like Hosanna in the highest and there was a contention of the Pharisees that came and said master tell your disciples to hold their peace and riding side saddle on the fall of an ass Jesus smiled with a smirk and he said hey guys pass all the resolutions you want to pass but if that bunch of radicals quit worshiping me I serve you notice then the stones will cry out to me ladies and gentlemen you can fold your arms and you can sleep in Pentecost but it's time for Pentecost to get plugged up Somebody shout, oh boy, that was weak. I know I'm preaching. 
and I love you. But let's quit trying to make Jesus cold. My God, folks, if I was a sinner, didn't know anything about Pentecost, if I'd go to some of our churches, I wouldn't want what they had. Uh-oh. Just lost a camp meeting when I said that, didn't I? If I was a man that didn't know the truth and went to some of our churches and see some of the squiles on some of our faces and then we sing about the joy of the Lord and we're fussing and fuming and finding fault with everything. Look, folks, there's a need of an old-fashioned baptism in the joy of the Holy Ghost. Flying through prepared notes today I am. But let's quit trying to make Jesus a modern Christ. I'm all for preaching it better. I'm all for preaching it with eloquence. I'm all for choosing our words properly. We need to work on that. But I'm not for trying to make Jesus a modern engineer. I'm for letting people know that he's still the lowly Galilean. He was the main, he was the babe in the manger. Yes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Please, time out just a moment. Brother Travis, I think that little girl would be pleased if she knew what her daddy was doing right now. For I believe that somewhere in Abraham's bosom is a beautiful little girl that was only 20 when Jesus chose it best to take her from Sister Ramona and I. No, I don't believe that that child sees me nor hears me, but I think if she could, she'd be happy to know that her old gray-headed dad is still preaching about the man called Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. There's something about that name. Jesus. I told you last night, he's literature's loftiest ideal. He's theology's fundamental doctrine. Jesus is the cardinal necessity of all mankind. He's the center of man. He's the core of man. He's the circumference of man. He's the standard of measurements. Jesus is the scale of weights. He's the moral fiber of the universe. He's on every page of the Bible. I'm not certain where some of you people are. You making Jesus a New Testament God. But I would suggest to you that I accept him as the creator of Genesis. I would suggest to you that I accept him as the Passover lamb of Exodus. I would suggest to you he's the royal priest of Leviticus. I would tell you, honey, that he is the statistician of numbers. He's the royal law of Deuteronomy. He's the commanding officer. Of, you don't hear me. He's the commanding officer of Joshua. He's the judge of judges of the book of Judges. He's the near kinsman of Ruth. 
He's the prophet seer of the Samuels. He's the monarch of the kings. He's the record keeper and the chronicler of the book of Chronicles. He's the, he's the wall builder of Nehemiah. He's the hope of a better day of Esther. He's the rebuilding of the law of Ezra. He's the patience of Job. He's the song of Psalms, the wisdom of Proverbs. He's the preacher of Ecclesiastes. Are you listening to me? I would tell you he's the great song of the song of Solomon. I would tell you, honey, that he is the major prophet from Isaiah to Zechariah. He's all the prophets from Hosea to Malachi. Jesus is still the king of Matthew, the man of Mark, the servant of Luke, and divine of John. He's still the apostolic revival of the book of Acts. He's the masterpiece of the Pauline epistles. He's the hope of all hopes of the general epistles. And he's the final and great millennium of the book of Revelation. When I read the Bible, I see Jesus in every book. When I read the Bible, I see him in every chapter. When I read the Bible, I see him in every verse. Jesus is 1,000 spring times in one beautiful bouquet. Honey, if Jesus can't fix it, it can't be fixed. But after 32 years of gospel preaching, I ain't found nothing yet too hard for him. I said, I, there's my homiletics. I ain't found nothing yet that's too big for him. He's still the master of the wave, the master of the wind, the master of the cemetery, the master of the synagogue. He's the master. He's still the good Samaritan. He came to where I was. When I couldn't go to him, he came and found me. Brother Garrett, aren't you glad to know that when we could not come into his presence, for his ways are so much above my ways, and his thoughts above my thoughts, as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above my ways. I couldn't get good enough to come into his presence. I didn't have enough money to buy a reserve ticket into the church of the living God. I couldn't find my way. I was the wounded traveler. I was the lost sheep. I was the lost coin. I was the prodigal son. When I was dying, hopelessly lost, Jesus didn't look at me for what I was, but he knew what I could be, and he came to where I was. My time is making history. I've preached to you for one hour already. Can you believe it? Yeah, I know. Don't, don't, don't. No, no, no. We want to take the Jesus of the hip, hip, hoorays. We want to take Jesus of the shout services. We want the Jesus of putting the devils to flight. I want that too. We want the Jesus of the multiple dozens and scores of people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and our revival. That, that's the Jesus that we want. But there's another Jesus I want to present to you today. There was a Jesus that would, that would humble himself away in a solitude place and pray from the setting of sun until the break of the next day. I want to present to you a Jesus that would pray until, as I've said already and redundantly, 
until his sweat become as great drops of blood. I want to present to you a Jesus that was tempted in all points, even as we are tempted. There's more to the Jesus story than chasing devils, healing the sick, and building big buildings and big congregations, honey. There's a Jesus that is afflicted. There's a Jesus that is a man of sorrow. There's a Jesus that is acquainted with grief. There's a Jesus that is chastised. There's a Jesus that is crowned with thorns. There's a Jesus that is despised and forsaken. There's a Jesus that is grieved and that is hated. There's a Jesus that is laughed at, that is mocked at, and one that makes his grave with the wicked. There's a Jesus that was numbered with the transgressors. There's a Jesus that was oppressed and persecuted and pierced. There's a Jesus that was rejected and reviled. There's a Jesus that, well, you're not hearing me preach, are you? There's a Jesus that was spit on, stricken, slaughtered, and sacrificed. There's a Jesus that is tempted and tried. There's a Jesus that is whipped and wounded. And when Pilate had him scourged and presented Jesus, one writer said that his body was so ripped asunder by the cat of nine tails that his intestines were hanging out because of the open gaping wounds. A Jesus whose eyes were blackened and blue because of the big Roman soldier's fist. There's a Jesus who has rivers of blood running from his mouth, his nose, his eyes, and his ears because of the humiliation. There's a Jesus that is stripped of his own linen garment and stands naked and nude before God and man. And when Pilate and his soldiers got through with him, Pilate said, here is your Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to take the great Jesus that can heal the sick and chase the devils, fine. But I'm here on this afternoon because of the Jesus of Calvary, because of his sufferings, his embarrassment, his humiliation. I got a, I think Brother Parker might have been preaching to me this morning. I need to see you after church. You hurt my feelings. You embarrass me. Don't look too serious, son. When he said, some folks try to sing when they're not supposed to be singing. I said, uh-huh, he's saying that to me. You heard me last night. Mm-hmm. Somewhere you said, I got to get something across to that guy, Odom. He's got to stop that. But Brother Parker, I just can't help it, son. I got this song rolling over in me right now. Don't even know all the words. Maybe I better get some help. But it says, I know Jesus for myself. What's the next line? He will do just what he... Now you look like you're embarrassed. Said. What's the next word? I can't ever ask anybody else. Um, 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 for myself yes I know Jesus yes I know Jesus brother Travis I hate to embarrass Mississippi like this but I know him and it's evening time brother Travis the sun is setting the dispensation that we have termed the dispensation of grace is almost to close its history and prepare itself for the millennium. 
The only thing I hope that I do different than the disciples did, they sent the multitude away. As for me, I'd rather say, there's room at the cross for you. Go ahead, Brother Bachman. Stand up and say yes, Lord, two or three times, would you? Come on. Keep on, sir. Come on. Keep, 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 come on. Keep, keep saying it. Keep saying it. Only thing I hope I do different, Brother Howard. I'm praying for you. I want God to send a revival to Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is on tape, isn't it? The devil's had it long enough. I want all the churches in the greater Tulsa area, Brother Schweitzer, all of you men, to experience a move of God. Brother Ron Garrett, I've had you on my mind, man. I want God to give an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival to Phoenix, Arizona. Folks, Brother Tom Johnson, I want you to be known as the, as the Church of Colorado Springs. Dr. Who's there now? I want Colorado Springs to be known because of Dr. Tom Johnson. Hmm. This is no time to send them away. At evening time, altar call time, the disciples sent the multitude away. And they took Jesus as he was. Oh, God, forgive us for our spirit of selfishness. I said, oh, God, forgive us for wanting it all ourselves. Come on, Lord, you've given them all day. We want some of your attention now. You, you can't read something into this story I've read to you. I mean, they sat on the sidelines listening to him preach. I've got to have a little thought here. They were kind of just kind of put up. You guys stay there. Let me preach to the multitude. And by the time church was over and three great sermons were finished, they wanted some of his attention. And they sent the multitude away. I know we've say, said this so many times in time past, but there are some churches among us they really are afraid when new people pray through to the Holy Ghost. Folks, send them to Hattiesburg. I'm trying to get everybody I can get. To build a big church? No, to build the kingdom of God. People are going to hell. They, this is no time to send them away. Preach the sermon conviction on the pews and we close it out with a funny joke and a quick announcement and announce the next service. We need to let them pray when they feel the touch of God. Brother Howard, I wonder what would have happened if Simon Peter would have said, wait a minute, guys, let's give an altar call. That's in the voice. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Don't you think, Pentecostal, that you and I have harbored ourselves long enough on this comfort zone of Pentecost? It's time to cross over. What I didn't tell you was this. When the little traveling Galilee Sea Armada crossed the choppy waters of Galilee, the very first revival service on the other side was held in a cemetery. Yeah. 
But man, when Jesus got there, he livened things up. Oh, you're finished. Let's stand. I said, you're finished. Let's stand. No, no, that's enough. I got to be at church at 730 in Hattiesburg. Let's stand. No, 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 don't sit back down, please, please. I'm through. There's room at the cross for you. There's room where are those tenors and altos? Though millions have come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross for you. To be like Jesus, to be like Glory. 